Good morning, Cathedral of the Faith. It's great to see everybody today. Today, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Will somebody rejoice with me and shout hallelujah in the sanctuary? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. In the book of Psalms, chapter 37, it says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. You know that you're not just here by accident. God has ordained it and designed it, that you were here today. And I believe that you're going to encounter the Spirit of God in a way that changes our life. Does anybody receive that today? I do. You know, and I'm here today because about 15 years ago, this gentleman standing right next to me came to me one weekend and said, hey, I'm going to this church in San Jose. Do you, would you like to come with me and just, just travel along with me? And Because he was singing here at Cathedral of Faith. And I said, sure, I'd like to, I'll come with you. And so I came that weekend and I got to meet Pastor Ken and Kerr for the first time. And now I've been here for 13 years with my wife. And God ordered our steps. We weren't planning this to happen, but it's just beautiful how God orchestrates our life. He, he orders our steps. He has us meet certain people at certain times and he does beautiful things with it. And I believe that today is one of those things too where God's gonna do something beautiful in your life. Do you receive that today? So Cathedral of Faith, it's my honor and pleasure to introduce to you my dear friend, Mr. Calvin Noel. Would you give him a great big San Jose Cathedral of Faith welcome? Come on, put your hands together, come on.
everybody doing this morning? God is good, amen? Good. It is good to be back here with you. It's been a long time since I've been here, and, and I was just here today, and Pastor Ken, that you guys give the best hugs, and I'm backstage. I'm just crying because I'm like, oh, Lord, I just feel the love. I just so love being here with you guys. And I wanted to sing a song that I've been singing lately, a friend of mine wrote, and I just love it because sometimes you can get so busy in life that you feel like you gotta drum up something to praise God. And this song particularly says, I don't need another reason to praise you because I have my life, I have my breath. You know, some people didn't wake up this morning. And the fact that we are alive, the fact that we are here, my prayer is that we just don't take it for granted. We don't need a circumstance to give us, to give God praise. He's been faithful. He's been faithful, amen. So like I always say, you may not know this song, but you know the God of this song. So I'm gonna sing it over you, and by the time we get to the end, you'll be praising him just as well, amen. Amen.
Even if I never see you move, hey, I still praise you. Even after all that I've been through, I don't know about you, I still praise you. I know every promise is gonna come true, cause there is nothing that he has to after all that I've been through. Man. Man. The steps. man are ordered by God. I believe God wants to encourage somebody here today. After all that you've been through, you still have a reason to bless the Lord. Not just because of where you've come from, but because of where he is taking you to. 15 years ago, 15 years ago, I never thought I'd be standing here in San Jose. 15 years ago, I never thought I'd be here. But the steps of God, of the, of the man are ordered by God. And I really believe that somebody here today is, they're in a, a dry place and they just need to know that God is real. They just need to know that they can trust him. They just need to know that I'm not out here wandering on my own. And I, God, right now in this moment, I pray for that individual. I pray for that person who just needs to know that you are ordering their steps today. And so, Father God, I pray for encouragement to come their way. I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would speak and move. God, I pray, Lord, that you would get all the attention right now in this moment. God, Lord, I pray that we would surround you with praise and adoration, that we would bless your name, that we choose to bless your name. So God, I pray for healing, I pray for miracles, I pray for breakthrough, I pray for deliverance, I pray for provision, I pray for reconciliation, I pray for mercy, I pray for grace. In the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen and amen. Cathedral of Faith, can we just respond to the Lord right now in this moment? Come on, somebody bless the name of the Lord. Welcome to Cathedral of Faith where everyone is welcome, nobody's perfect, the love is lived out and everything is because we serve an amazing God. And I really, I just, I just wanna encourage you, you're not here by accident. You're not here by random chance. God has something for you here today. God has something for you here today. So before we're seated, let's celebrate one more time with a great big hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you. I want to give you another opportunity to continue our worship by our giving of our tithe and our offering, and let's give God a hand of praise for that. And there's three ways to give here at Cathedral of Faith. One is through the Cathedral of Faith app. The other is online or texting, or give it to our ushers as you exit the sanctuary today. 
I started a new series last Wednesday, and it's called, It's Your Money, Make It First, Make It Last. And in order to tithe, you have to earn. In order to tithe, you have to earn. So my first sermon was called A Diligent Earner. And I want to say to you that if you're going to give God your very best, how many know you need to do your very best? Come on, how many know that? So our scripture for today is whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. God actually owns a company you're working at. So whatever you're doing, you're doing for him. And I want you to be able to get a great job and to keep a great job. Here's how you keep a great job. Get to work on time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Consistently be where you're supposed to be and do what you're expected to do. Do not waste time on the computer or on the phone. Quit stalling. Stop making excuses. It's getting quiet in here. <laughs> Be dependable. No one owes you anything. Do what you're supposed to do, and then do a little bit more. Be ready to accept with eagerness any new assignments or responsibilities. Show gratefulness by doing for your employer what he wants done with a cheerful attitude and not with a smirk, frustration, or delay. There are enough individuals with negative attributes. The one that stands out is the diligent earner who works for God and gives to God. Come on, church. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless your people, not only with good employment, but even greater employment and opportunities to bless you and to further your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Now I ask you to do something. Pastor Foreman used to say while he was here, if you're gonna clap, don't patty cake. Let's clap for Pastor Ken Foreman as he comes. To bring the word. Cathedral, it's great to see everybody. God is good. And all the time. You know, thanks so much for being here. In fact, it's time change weekend and you still came to church. Give yourself a big hand, everybody. Way to go. Whether you're on site or online, we are in this series called CrossFit, the key to living strong. Are you ready to train? Now they say in public speaking, if you're gonna be effective, you need to know your audience. So I wanna get in touch with my audience today and I wanna find out, are there any sports fans in the house? Let me hear you. Okay. Is there anybody who follows the Warriors? Is there anybody who follows the Giants? Is there anybody who follows the Sharks? Anybody who follows the earthquakes? Do you think it's a good idea for San Jose to call their team the earthquakes? When it comes to fans, I saw some fans with signs. Here's one fan who had a sign that said, the guy behind me can't see. I, I saw another fan who had this sign. Honey, call me when your water breaks. Uh-oh, that guy's in trouble. And then there's a guy without a shirt on in the freezing cold, and he has a sign that says, you think I'm student, my brother is a Raiders fan. <laughs> oh my. So here's the question for the weekend. Do you think there's a difference, really? Is there a difference from being a fan of Jesus to being a follower? of Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus and why does that matter? This is what we're looking at all month long. And today I invite you to stand with me once more as we turn to the words of Jesus to help us find our way. In John chapter 12, we come into a situation where 
There are some fans that want to meet with Jesus. They're intellectuals, they're aristocrats, and they're big fans of Jesus. And so they approach one of the disciples by the name of Philip, and they ask if they can get a backstage pass. They want to have a meet and greet with Jesus. Well, Philip's not sure what to do, so he goes to another disciple, Andrew, and they both go to Jesus. And instead of Jesus asking or answering the question yes or no, he gives them words about how you can move from being a fan to being a follower. And part of what he says is here in John chapter 12. Can we read this out loud together? Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now there's another paraphrase of that passage. It reads this way. I invite you to read it with me. Anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal life. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Can we read that last line together? The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Let's give God praise for the wisdom that we find in his word. Jesus, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for all these wonderful folks who are part of our cathedral family, how I love them so much. Thank you for guests and friends who are with us today. And I pray over these next few moments that we'll hear the one thing we need to hear. God, start with me. That we'll take that word, apply it to our lives so this week can be different because we met you in this moment. That's our heart, that's our desire. All God's people said, Amen and amen. Well, before you're seated, would you look at somebody and tell them, I am ready to train. Go ahead and do that. I am ready to train. First of all, think with me about a picture that we have. Jesus is... In just a couple of days, headed to the cross. He'll take up his cross. He'll be nailed to that cross. But in this passage, he does something that absolutely shocked those who heard it. He takes the idea of the cross and he connects it to glory. We read in John chapter 12, Jesus says, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. His glory. Say that with me. His glory. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think of when you think of the word glory? When you think of your moment of glory? Now, when I think of my moment of glory, I go all the way back to high school, and I was on the basketball team. I was on the basketball team for people that were under 5'9". For all of us who were vertically challenged, they had a basketball team, and I was more than qualified to be on the team. And I'll never forget, one day, we have a game, and it's the fourth quarter, and we're down by one, and I'm on the floor, and the ball is going around, and wow, it comes to me at the top of the key, and I throw up the ball toward the hoop. The ball goes in the hoop. That is why I believe in miracles. The ball went in the hoop, buzzer sounds, we win the game, the fans go crazy. All 10 of them that were in the stands, they go crazy. 
The team comes over, picks me up, carries my 99 pounds of solid muscle off the court. <laughs> that right there was my moment of glory. Yeah. What about you? When you hear the word glory, what do you think of? Do we have any fans of American Idol in the house? Yeah, it's still a very popular television show. And if you've watched the show, you know how it goes. When you get to the end of the show, oh, what's going to happen? The singers will be singing. The judges will be judging. The voters will be voting. And then the lights will shine. The confetti will come down. Tears will flow. And you'll have the next winner of the American Idol. It's a moment of glory. And that's typically what we think of. We think of a moment of public celebration of public adulation. And so when Jesus says that his hour has come and he's about to enter into his glory, immediately I think of a moment like that. I think, well, he must be talking about his resurrection or he must be talking about his ascension or he must be talking about his second coming. Anyone looking forward to the second coming of Jesus? Yeah. It's gotta be one of those moments. But instead, Jesus shocks us all. When he takes his the word glory and connects it to the cross. And he takes this public humiliation and says, I'm about to enter into my glory. The glory and the cross, that doesn't seem to go together. And that is why People back then, they had a hard time, we would have had a hard time, getting our head around how the cross could be his glory. Because the cross was a shameful death. It was a painful death. And yet, what does Jesus do? He takes the cross and he turns it on its head. And it's on the cross that he takes care of our sin. It's on the cross he becomes the savior of the world. The cross ends up taking him to the biggest win in human history. And then he turns to us. Yeah, let's give him praise. Amen. And then he turns around and he says this. He says, if you want to move from being a fan to a follower, here's how you do it. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. Anyone who hates their life, what is that all about? I mean, there's gotta be someone, there's gotta be one person in here that's saying, you know, Ken, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, I'm doing really well, because I hate my life. I have a lousy job, I have a nagging wife, I have a broken down car, I have an annoying cat. Have you seen my annoying cat? <laughs> so I hate my life, I'm doing really well. But what does Jesus mean when he says, hate my life in this world? Well, it seems to me that Jesus is saying something like this. If you want to have a meaningful life, a productive life, a glorious life, and can I suggest that we were created for glory? There's a desire for glory on the inside of all of us. In fact, my hunch is, is how people want those likes on social media and those views on social media. It's a little window into that desire for glory that we are all born with. We had glory at the first creation. But then in the garden after sin, we lost that glory. And Jesus says, here is how you can take that glory back. I'm going to give you a pathway. And he says, take up your cross and follow me. And when you do that, you're on your way 
to a productive life, to a meaningful life, to a glorious life. That through the cross, when you die to yourself and you lean into a life of surrender and service and sacrifice, it is the cross that leads to most to the most important glory of all, the honor that comes from our heavenly Father. Can we give God praise for that kind of glory? That's the glory that Jesus wants us to experience. But then he brings us to a picture, or he takes us to our potential, our potential. And when it comes to potential, when you surrender and serve and sacrifice, as you start to lean into this pathway, it has a way of producing and multiplying. I mean, have you ever seen something multiply? You know, multiply from this to this to this to this. That's enough of me. I think my brother said one is all we can handle. But the picture that we have in the Bible, it's about this idea of multiplication. Look at what Jesus says in that same passage. He says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it, if it dies, it produces many seeds. Many seeds, say that with me, many seeds, many seeds. I have a stalk of wheat and there's a kernel of wheat. Now, if you take that one kernel of wheat and you keep it in your hand, that's all you get. But if you take that kernel and plant it in the ground, something begins to happen. You can see it up here. At first, it may look like nothing's happening and you may be tempted to dig up the dirt to see if anything is going on. But if you're patient, eventually that seed produces and multiplies. And before you know it, you may end up with a box of Wheaties <laughs> in your hands. And that's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to give up his life. But that one sacrifice is gonna have amazing influence. It's gonna have amazing impact. Jesus says in John chapter 12, he says, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Can somebody say amen to that? And when I'm lifted up from the earth, Jesus says, I will draw everyone to myself. Wow. Like a magnetic force. When Jesus is lifted up on the cross, Men and women are drawn toward him. And that one act of sacrificial love being planted into the ground. Here's a man who had no economic power, no military power, no political power. And yet that one life, all he had was the power of sacrificial love on the cross, but that one life had such an amazing impact that Time Magazine, back at the turn of the millennium, named Jesus the man of the millennium, and part of the article read this way. It would require much exotic calculation to deny that the most single powerful figure, not merely in these two millenniums, but in all of human history, has been Jesus of Nazareth. Can we give him praise, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they're right. You can go to every corner of the world and you'll find men and women who've been drawn to Jesus, over three billion followers of Jesus in the world today, and it all started with a seed that was planted. Never underestimate the power of a seed. Will you say that with me? Never underestimate the power of a seed. I like that. Amen. Because you may end up with a big box in your hands. You know, that really is a story of Cathedral of Faith. The Cathedral of Faith is a history of planting seeds. One of the reasons I'm so excited about the future is that we're working right now on our affordable housing project. 
is 240 units. Yeah, you can see it right behind me. 240 units here on campus that would be housing for seniors and housing for families and housing for uh, those in vulnerable populations. And so it's something that we're working on, we're believing God for. Now you may look at it and say 240 units. You know, on, on, you know, when you look at the need for housing in our area, 240 units seems like a drop in the bucket compared to the need. Now you can look at it as a drop in the bucket or you can look at it as a seed that is planted. And anytime you plant a seed, what if God blesses it and multiplies it and one generation after the next generation, who knows what God can do through the power of a seed? Never underestimate the power of a seed. Never underestimate it. You know, God is not finished with us yet. Say it with me. God is not finished with us yet. That God is taking cathedral from faith to faith, grace to grace, and glory to glory. And that's why we can believe with all our hearts that there are great days ahead. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. When you plant a seed, you never know. You may end up with a box of Wheaties in your hand. You know, and that culture has just been handed on from one generation to another generation here at Cathedral of Faith. God is doing an amazing work in our youth group here at Cathedral of Faith. Can we give it up for our youth group? They're doing it. It's amazing. Here you are in the midst of cultural chaos, and yet they're choosing to follow Jesus and to take up their cross. And by doing that, they're also planting seeds. In fact, we have two members of the youth group here with us this morning, right here in the front row. Elena and Isabella, would you stand? Yeah, give them a big hand. Yeah. Just remain standing. Now, they help lead the Christian club at Lincoln High School. And they had a vision, really a, a, a burden, that they wanted, were going to spearhead uh, an outreach to the homeless because they wanted homeless to know that every person matters to God. Every person is loved by God. And so they put together a team, they put together 40 care packages with a few blankets, and they handed that out to the homeless at Coleman Center, and they're gonna do that again in the future, amen. Way to go. Right now we're in Women's History Month. We're in Women's History Month, and you're looking at, in the eyes of heaven, here are two women who are making history right here in the Bay Area by what they're doing. Let them know how proud you are of them. Let's give them a big cheer, yeah! You can be seated. You never underestimate the power of a seed. 40 boxes, what's that with all? Look at how big the problem is. Never underestimate the power of a seed. You can look at it as a drop in the bucket or you can look at it as a seed that's been planted. God can do amazing things with a seed. So that brings us to this last idea. And this is just, get real with me for just a moment because this has to do with what I consider the problem. We can take hold of the glory we were created for through the cross and through living that kind of life, there's great productivity. But the problem is me. <laughs> I can get in the way of that. There were these two brothers who were, um, you know, they're little and they're at the breakfast table and mom brings out pancakes and they start getting into it. You know how brothers can do. And so mom decides this is gonna be a teaching moment. And so she, she breaks it up and says, now, now listen, if Jesus was here at the table, what do you think he would do? Wouldn't he let the other brother have the first pancake? And so one of the brothers speaks up and says, you know, you're right, mom, you're right. And he looks at his brother and says, you can be Jesus. And there's something inside of me that just, there's a tension. 
when it comes to surrender and sacrifice and service. Did you know Jesus himself also felt that tension? As he gets closer and closer to the cross, he talks about that internal angst he's dealing with. He knows that the cross is his mission, and yet, look at what he says. My soul is troubled. Would you say that with me? My soul is troubled. Another translation says, my heart is in turmoil. Another translation says, I am deeply shaken. This is Jesus talking as he thinks about the cross. And what shall I say then? Father, save me from this hour. Don't let me go to the cross. And he says, no, it was for this, uh, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. He was born to die so that we might live so that we might live. But even though that's Jesus' mission, the closer he gets to experiencing the cross, there's this inner angst of back and forth. Wow. Has that ever happened to you? You get right up to that moment of surrender and sacrifice and service, and then there's this angst within you. If you're looking for a movie to see, I would encourage you, go see The Jesus Revolution. It's a very good movie. It's about the spiritual awakening that took place in the 60s and the 70s. And what happens basically is that a lot of hippies start to get saved. Does anybody remember hippies? So hippies, I mean, they were seekers and they were searching And they were looking for truth in all the wrong places, but eventually they found the way, the truth, and the life. And a lot of them came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And in one uh, part of the film, there's the leader of the hippies. He's a follower of Jesus. And he goes and talks to the pastor of a small church. And he talks to the pastor about opening the doors of the church to the hippies. That's a good question. Why not? But what he says, see, the why not is the the angst that the pastor is wrestling with. Because if the pastor is going to open the door to the hippies, he's going to have to die to himself. He's going to have to die to his pride. He's going to have to die to his preferences. He's going to have to die to the opinions of others. And so there's this tension. Does he open the door and lose his job? Or does he close the door and lose himself? If you've ever felt that tension, so did Jesus. He gets us and he's there for us. And he gives us the grace to do what we could never do on our own. And what happens is this, the pastor by the grace of God opens the doors of his church. It leads to a spiritual awakening, not just there in Southern California, but it spreads all the way across the country. And as you watch this video clip, I wanna ask you, let faith begin to rise in your heart. If God did it once, God can do it again. Can somebody say amen? Watch this clip. Hey, Square. I am not a square. I think we should invite Greg this weekend. What's this weekend? These people are hippies, rebels against old-fashioned authority. I think these kids need help. They need is a bath. You're passing judgment on people you know nothing about. Maybe that's why your church is so empty. When God walks in here, brings me a hippie. I'll ask him what it's all about. I do not understand. His house has a very good vibe. There is an entire generation searching. Slow down, man, slow down. Just in all the wrong places. If you want to reach my people, you need to speak to them in a language they understand. If I bring them in, I'm going to lose my job. We can only walk through doors open to us. In your church, that's a door that's shut. You've probably noticed we have some guests here today. I'd like you to meet my new friends. Welcome. 
They don't belong here. Half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet. They need our help. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. That was awesome. Now that door is open any time of day. And if there are some who don't like that, well then that door works both ways. All right, Pastor, let's begin. Yeah. All right, Pastor, let's begin. So let me bring it home for a moment. Are you in one of those moments of tension, angst in the soul? You know what you need to do, need everybody to kind of lock in. You know what you need to do, but when you think about doing it, you know how you need to sacrifice. You've, you've been feeling that prompting by the Spirit that you want to increase the level of, of giving to the kingdom work at Cathedral. But boy, when you look at inflation and what's happening, my soul is troubled. And when you, you sense this internal nudge that you want to step up and become a foster parent and help out children by bringing them into your home, but when you think about what that means for your lifestyle, whoa, my soul is troubled. When I was praying this morning, I felt like God gave me this for someone very specifically, that you're in a relationship, you're dating someone, and it's an unhealthy relationship, an abusive relationship, and you know what you need to do. They're going one way, you're going another way. But when you think about walking away, whoa, my soul is troubled. Friend, bring where you're at to Jesus. He gets us. And he gives us grace to do what we can never do on our own. A couple of things that I try to do when I'm wrestling with surrender and sacrifice and service I make sure I stay close to the cross. The further I get away from the cross, the harder it is to take up my cross. But when I stay close to the cross, sometimes I'll carry around a cross just like this because there are moments I need to stay so close to the cross, so close to the sacrifice of the cross, so close to the self-giving love of the cross. See, if I want to increase the force of love, I need to stay connected to the source of that love, and the source of that love is Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. Stay close to the cross. And then stay close to the Father. Look to the Father. I'm gonna invite you, if you would, to get interactive with me one more time, if you're comfortable doing this. If you'll take your hands and just put them together with me. Let's do this together. Ready, everybody? Wow. We got rhythm going today, yeah. We got our groove on. Oh, Sunday morning, time change Sunday. We still can get it going at Cathedral. All right, let's pick up the pace. Thank you very much. You knew that was coming. The sound of applause. Everybody likes the sound of applause. When you have a good quarter at the company, when you hit the winning basket for the team, when you finish the piano recital and you just rocked it, everyone loves the sound of applause. But here's the thing about the applause on earth. It always fades away. It does. It's there and then it's gone. But if I will live for an audience of one, for the applause of the Father, when I take up my cross and I follow Jesus and I look to bring glory and honor to God, I'm going to hear the applause of heaven. And what could be better than that? 
Jesus said, the Father will honor you. Would you read that with me? My Father will honor you. Say it one more time. My Father will honor you. Do you believe that today? If you believe that, let's give God praise. Live your life for an audience of one. I'm gonna invite everyone to stand with me, please, as the tech team gets ready for our final song and we come to the Lord's table. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Where are you feeling a Holy Spirit nudge? How can you take hold of that glory through surrender, serving, and sacrifice? Can you see God taking that and multiplying it, making it productive? We can't do that on our own. Jesus, we need you. Let me ask you a question. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Ken, Truth be told, I'm more of a fan of Jesus. I like him, I admire him, but I've never really, never really stepped across the line and said, look, I'm all in. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I wanna start that journey today. Every journey, it starts with a step. And if you're making that decisions today, I just wanna agree with you that today is your day. Lift up your hand if that's you today. You'd say, I wanna become a follower of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for those who are stepping across the line and becoming followers. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. I want the one and only life I have to make a difference for your kingdom and your glory. And I pray, God, that you would give us grace as we come to the table. Give us grace in this moment. Help us to do what we can never do on our own. Jesus, we look for the day. Our eyes are fixed on the Father, living our lives for an audience of one. Bless your people as we prepare to receive communion. All God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God praise. Calvin, come and lead us. Amen.
Jesus, thank you for your table that you invite us to. We can't outgive you. We've been giving you thanks, and then you invite us to come to your table, and you give us yourself all over again. And so, Jesus, we receive the biggest miracle we could get today is a change of heart. And so, God, give me the heart of a follower, not a fan. Let us start with me. Let's eat of the bread of Christ. Let's drink of the cup of Christ. And now I invite you to say the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Say it with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm ready to train. Say that with me. I'm ready to train. Just a couple of quick things before I dismiss you. First of all, would you let Calvin know? What a blessing, man. Oh, I love you, buddy. Oh, man. What a blessing it is to have our friend Calvin back. If you need prayer after service, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you. And then don't forget, our coffee shop is open today. And so even if you don't get any coffee, make sure you go by, check it out. It turned out really nice. And so I look forward to keeping on the journey with you this week and next week being CrossFit. That's the key to living strong. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, may you stay close to the cross and know how much you've been loved by God. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. Have an amazing week.